0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls, your favorite podcast all about Rick Riordan's funny little books. I'm your host, Jacqueline.
1: And I'm the other host, Jane.
0: Welcome to the show today, Jane. Hello. How you feeling?
1: I'm I'm pretty good. I had to crunch like hell to submit an essay this afternoon, but I got it finished and submitted with like ten minutes left on the deadline.
0: And luckily, you were able to fall right to the, from that essay into these nice little chapters. How are you feeling about it yeah. this week? Uh, I think
1: there's some stuff in here that I really like, and there's some stuff in here that I think there's a that's a little bit underwhelming,
0: maybe. Oh, true. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Uh, I feel pretty similarly these were Uh these were packed chapters folks this is what happened for like three chapters this is the most like number of pages that will be like it's only beaten out by one of the four chapter ones that we did at the beginning but also next Mm -hmm. one is also going to be pretty long too so you know good luck Jane when you write the summaries oh fuck all right uh should we get right into the summaries then hell yeah Chapter 12. I go snowboarding with a pig. The Artemis Retrieval Squad arrives at an empty little ski town in New Mexico. While looking for a way out, Percy and Bianca talk one-on-one. She talks about her and Nico's confusing journey from their school in D.C. to the road to some hotel to Westover in Maine. Then admits that she needed a break from being a big sister 24-7 and was glad that Percy was such a good guy. Because seeing that gave her the confidence she needed to have Nico stay at camp. Uh, he ends up accidentally admitting to eavesdropping, but he's saved by Zoe and Grover getting back with food, though things take a turn when a warm and natury breeze passes by, carrying a voice giving some faint warning and causing Grover to collapse. They decide to hightail it, but at the edge of town, they have to fight some gun-toting skeleton cops, and even though they learn some things, like and Nemia lion coat is bulletproof, Bianca's knife can vaporize skeletons. They're out of luck, until a gift from the wilds appears, the Aramanthian boar. It smashes through the skeletons and almost kills the kids on the snowy mountain slopes, where Percy gets value and admit she's afraid of heights. Before they realize the boar's purpose, hop on its back and start riding it west. Percy is a bit confused, but Grover and Zoe clarify for him. That wind was the presence of the Lord of the Wilds, Pan.
1: I mean, obviously Pan has come back, it's Pride Month
0: and jane you're a treasure thank you chapter 13 we visit the junkyard of the gods the boar eventually stops and the team get off at a junk town in arizona one literally surrounded by hills of garbage as they lay under the stars they talk about various things pan's presence bianca's ability to kill skeletons before moving on to talk about their next stop vegas hearing this bianca freaks out And this leads to Percy and Grover realizing that she and Nico had a similar experience to the one they did in Vegas. They were trapped in the Lotus Hotel and Casino. But while Annabeth, Percy, and Grover were there for less than a week, Nico and Bianca were there for 70 years. Their puzzling over who got the siblings out is interrupted by the arrival of a limo. It's Ares, who coerces Percy into the limo, where he sees the most beautiful woman he's ever met, the goddess of love, Aphrodite. She reveals that she's orchestrated everything, the poisoned shirt, sending blackjack for Percy, him being able to sneak out of camp, all to set up the perfect tragic love story. She then bids him adieu, and warns him to be safe in Hephaestus's domain of trash. Ares also says goodbye, saying that the only reason he hasn't killed Percy yet is because he could spark the biggest war ever, but that he'll remember the wrath of Ares when he next lifts his sword. As the party travels to the junkyard, they come across various mythic-level items, including a prototype bronze giant anti-theft measure called a talos, which follows them out of the dump. Eventually, Bianca reveals that she swiped a mytho-magic figure, because it was the only one Nico didn't have. She gives it to Percy, telling him to give it to Nico if she doesn't come back, and rushes into the talos to shut it off from the inside. They manage to bring the behemoth down, but Bianca is nowhere to be found. She's lost in the Land Without Rain. Chapter 14. I have a damn problem. The group finds a tow truck at the edge of the dump, and, while the others remain stunned at Bianca's fate, Thalia drives them at it until they reach River Canyon. They walk to the bank and steal some canoes, then pair up in them and are escorted by some Nias to the rapids. Zoe and Percy talk, and she blames herself for pushing Bianca to join because she was hoping to train Bianca up as her replacement. Percy tells Zoe about his dream, and she reveals that she did indeed create Riptide betraying her family, the Hesperides, and not even getting any credit from the hero she helped retrieve the Golden Apple. Their journey is stopped by the Hoover Dam, and Thalia, Percy, and Grover muse about how it's one of Annabeth's favorites, and comment on the statues known as the Wings of the Republic carved into the cliffside, which were apparently dedicated to Zeus when the dam was built, before cracking up into exhaustion-fueled dam jokes. Everyone else goes inside, but Percy sees that Bessie the Cow Serpent is in the river and trying to warn him about something the skeletons are coming. Percy runs inside, ducking the damn metal detectors, but gets caught up in a damn tour group going down to the damn turbines, led by a mysterious damn tour guide with cloudy gray eyes who tells him that the clever can always find an exit. While wandering around the turbines, he thinks he hears a baddie and swings a sword, but it was actually just a sneezing mortal girl named Rachel Elizabeth Dare, who for some reason can see through the mist and freaks out about Percy trying to kill her with a sword while wearing a weird fur coat. Luckily, she's willing to help him escape from the skeletons, which she's also able to see, and Percy gets to the damn cafe where the rest of the marine burritos. They try to bolt, but are caught between a bunch of skellies until Grover starts a huge damn food fight. Percy thinks back to what the tour guy said, realizing that she was probably Athena and bids Thalia to pray for Zeus, activating the damn wings of the Republic, which come to life and fly the squad away. So, what'd you think of these damn chapters?
1: I think you thought that the damn thing was a very funny joke when you wrote it down. Uh Uh-huh. But having to repeatedly read it out was torture for you.
0: (laughs) No, it was hilarious, actually. Oh, that's good.
1: Because the effect was funny.
0: Okay, I'm glad.
1: No, it's it just it sounded like you were suffering.
0: Oh I'm always suffering, don't worry.
1: Oh no. I am worried.
0: Well thank you. Uh speaking of people who are always suffering, uh these kids.
1: Yeah, goddamn.
0: <laughs> no, seriously. Like, I know that you said there was some do you wanna start with the good or the bad? Like what I know you said there you said there was some stuff you were disappointed by?
1: I feel like we can get into the good stuff first.
0: Alright, cool.
1: Uh good thing. Uh I really like the damn chapter. I do too. At the start, you can really feel like the exhaustion and just like, you know, quickly settling in trauma of one of their friends dying.
0: Yeah. I think one thing we've talked about a little bit is like the tonal dissonance of like one chapter, something terrible happens. and in the next chapter, they're all cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. But this feels so genuinely like... They're all, like, thinking about their friend who's kidnapped and their friend who just died, probably. And then they, like, start making just, like, the worst stupid puns because they're all so tired and exhausted.
1: Yeah, it is, like, the polar opposite of the finale of Sea of Monsters with the fucking party ponies.
0: It's very—it is it is good in that regard, for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What else about the damn chapter are you into?
1: uh i mean it's you know it's got a f- pretty solid chase sequence in the middle of it i'm curious about rachel elizabeth dare
0: i am too
1: because the name i th- I feel like that rings a bell but right? it's nothing concrete that i can put my finger on and i'm not gonna look it up obviously
0: it feels like like one of those names like one of those impo- like this this feels like an important character name
1: percy does keep saying her entire name so probably yeah
0: like, it's one of those names that's like, oh, Junie B. Jones. Like, it has a very, like, little kid book protagonist character.
1: Jacqueline Swampert.
0: Jacqueline Swampert. That's my name, folks. Uh, one thing I noticed, I, I like I like Rachel Elizabeth Dare. She's pretty cool. It's interesting that she's a mortal who can see through the mist.
1: Maybe it's a case of, like, because that used to... It, that must have been common in, like, ancient Greece, right? Because otherwise, all the tales about the heroes wouldn't have been so widespread.
0: Uh maybe so yeah i mean i I wonder if that's right, or if it's like the gods themselves put the stories out there or maybe they're like so ingrained in the myth i I wonder actually that's interesting
1: hey speaking of the gods uh-huh uh the the Hephaestus chapter goes back to like the portrayal of the gods that I love by far the most in this series, yes. Which is that they are a bunch of like selfish, vain pieces of shit who just use humans like chess pieces.
0: Oh, for sure. Like I think this also goes back to like the like how terrifying the gods are. Mm-hmm. Like we get Ares again, and he's obviously very scary, dude. But Aphrodite yeah. is like an entirely different kind of scary.
1: You can you can definitely see like why these two. I don't want to say they're a good fit for each other, but you can see why they're banging behind Hephaestus' back.
0: They're a power couple for sure. hmm This is the definition of uh gaslight gatekeep girl boss, ex, <laughs> uh, man's play and manipulate male wife.
1: I didn't even know about that second one, but it does kind of fit Ares in these chapters to a T.
0: A little bit, Yeah but yeah like Aphrodite has Percy completely entranced and like he's just like holding up like her mirror for her while she's like saying that she's setting him up for like a horrific tragic ending that like she's trying to create the next like the reason that her and Ares are so suited for each other is that they're both looking for like a great war to happen yeah
1: yeah, I didn't even consider that but yeah they probably like met and started swapping notes after the Trojan war huh
0: yeah, it seems like that's probably the case. Like she's like I want the next great Trojan War, the, you know, the beautiful romantic tragedy. And he's like I want the world's biggest war that has ever happened. Their their goals are very in line.
1: Yeah. And I mean even like Hephaestus is a piece of shit in these chapters.
0: Indirectly, but
1: Well, cuz I feel like I wonder how deliberately Rick is like playing on the like supermarkets dumping bleach on the food they throw away thing because he's got a lit a literal junkyard full of trash but if you try to take anything from his junkyard full of trash he'll try to kill you with a giant robot
0: that does suck it's Mm -hmm. it's it seems very it once again seems very in line with what we know of the gods it's very petty it's very like needless like i don't surely some of this stuff could be used for the good of the world but you know it's 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 very like prometheus getting punished for giving fire to the mortals
1: (laughs) it's prometheus giving humans collectible minifigure games
0: yeah yeah like i'm curious if like the mytho magic game is going to become something like bigger or not like if there's like a secret meaning to the mytho magic figures and cards
1: i mean it was a big enough deal that i mean we found that like fan-made version of mytho magic so i would imagine it at least sticks around as a concept for longer than just this book
0: yeah and i want to talk about nico and bianca more i want to go back to rachel elizabeth dare really fast for just a second yeah okay because she has some interesting interesting stuff here she's a fun little character i want to talk about the way she's described She's described as having like a like a red nose, like like she's uh like been sneezing a lot, like she has a cold. She has like frizzy, uh like red brown hair, and she has like a maroon Harvard sweatshirt. Now, what are the three things that are all in common about those descriptions?
1: What, being red?
0: Being red. Now look at her name. Rachel yeah. Elizabeth Dare.
1: Hmm. Okay, so there's a pattern emerging here. <laughs>
0: There's a, there's a pattern emerging here. I I wonder if like her name was solely chosen just for like, oh, get it? It's like red and she's like red.
1: That feels like a bizarre decision, if that's all it is.
0: It does. I'm honestly very curious about it. I, I wonder.
1: Like she has to show up again,
0: right? Surely she does. Like she's pointed out. i didn't expect this isn't how she like kind of interrupts the flow of the chapter to appear
1: yeah it almost has the feeling of like a cameo or like a crossover with a show that you haven't seen
0: right this is this is when a mysterious scientist comes in to starling city uh to help out the arrow gang and it turns out that like a month later the mysterious scientist goes home and gets struck by lightning and becomes the flash and he gets his own tv show
1: yeah, that is kind of the energy it has. Or if it's like a sitcom, where it just it freezes on a random incidental extra, and then the audience starts whooping and cheering, and you have absolutely no idea who it is.
0: Right? Yeah, it's it's very much that energy. I wonder. Hmm, I wonder what kind of role do you think she'll play? I feel like
1: maybe like I don't know, person on the ground. If that makes sense. Like if she is a mortal and she's not just because. Riptide didn't hurt her, so she must be immortal.
0: Right, right. So she
1: might be like, she might end up being like an informant character, maybe doing like helping Grover locate half-bloods. Maybe I don't know.
0: That makes sense. Like she's like the Oracle or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Not the Oracle, the, the oh. Batman Oracle.
0: Yes, that is what I mean. The Batman Oracle. <laughs> I, I need to clarify because there are, there is an Oracle in this book. Yeah. I do. You want to talk about Nico and Bianca now?
1: Yeah. Let's do. Let's go for it.
0: Okay. So, Nico and Bianca, the big reveal of them happens in this chapter. Mm-hmm. It, it turns out that the reason they, like, Bianca didn't know DC had subways, and that everything is weird with them, and we've, we've theorized about this, were you expecting mm-hmm. that they were in the Lotus Hotel and Casino?
1: I absolutely did not expect that. What did you, what did you think?
0: I mean, I knew it, I, rem- I remember it for sure. Oh, but, I uh, see. It's a, I think it's a really good twist.
1: Oh absolutely. like as as soon as I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense.
0: It makes a lot of sense. It makes you feel like um it makes you feel like the elements that are in play aren't just like one off. It makes you feel like, oh, this is a part of the world that could like that it this this isn't just like an obstacle they faced in one book and now it doesn't matter anymore. This is a part of the world that affects things.
1: Yeah, it like it addresses one of the things I was complaining about in the first episode of this book, where I was saying like, you know, I don't feel like Rick's po- properly capitalizing on and developing stuff from earlier books. But this is like, this is a really good way to do that.
0: Totally, and also if you think about the timeline of it, it really seems like like they were they must have been in there at the same time.
1: Oh yeah, huh?
0: Like they were the our our, our favorite Percy Lightning Thief gang were in there, like, two years ago, and I don't think there's... I don't think Niko and Bianca have been out for two years.
1: It doesn't seem that way, yeah, because, like... How how long do you stay in middle school in the U.S.?
0: Uh Three years, in my experience. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade.
1: I guess it could be possible, but, yeah, it's very likely that they were actually in there at the same time.
0: Yeah, and that's... I really like this twist. I really like, um how bianca goes out here is pretty good i feel like this is a good um like development of her character it it ends up kind of like i know that you were complaining not complaining but just saying like wow bianca's kind of cruel to leave nico like alone there at camp just go off her on her own but like this sort of reinforces that idea of like she's been stuck with him for 70 70 years like being in B- big sister mode 24 7
1: Oh yeah, this this completely vindicates your retort to me complaining about that.
0: And to be fair, yours was entirely valid. Like we still get that side of like, oh, Nico is gonna be damaged here, like no matter what happens. And I really like in the beginning of uh, chapter fourteen when Percy is just like looking at the Mytho Magic figure, like turning it over in his hands and being like, what am I going to tell Nico? Like it's really good. Yeah. The yeah. Um. Hmm.
1: I really like the Bianca and Nico stuff in this chapter, in these chapters. Uh-huh. I feel like it's maybe, like, for Bianca at least, it's too little too late. This is, like, the, the first extended amount of time, the first, like, real conversation Percy has had with Bianca, and it's, like, a chapter before she dies. Right. Like, what we get is good, but I really wish there had been more of it. And I know that, like, the way the story is structured didn't really allow for it, but then... Please story the structure differently.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. I'm not, I'm still not sure if she's dead or not. Like, because mm-hmm. they can't they can't even like find a body or whatever. So it's
1: that might just because it's a kid book. They because like if she died in there, she is an electrocuted, mangled corpse.
0: Yeah, because Grover like electrocuted the Talos, <laughs> and like while she was inside, and Percy was like, "Ooh, hope that's insulated," and like you know, funny joke and all, but like. Horrifying also. She definitely died if that's what if she like if it Mm -hmm. wasn't insulated. Grover gets like messed up here.
1: Grover's not having a good time. Or actually he's he almost has a good time and then it goes very bad.
0: It goes very badly. He's like he smells his you know, his god on the wind. Like the there's a really good thing where like the animals on his coffee cup like peel off and become real animals. Which mm-hmm. feels very, like... I don't know. There's something about the idea of, like, the consumable throw-it-away coffee cup that's gonna, like, pollute stuff uh, mm-hmm. spawns a bunch of animals. That feels very, like, in line with, I don't know, some of the low-key environmentalist stuff in this series.
1: Yeah, or, like, the disposable rat that Percy bought out of pity, basically.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. And... Let's talk about the gift that Pan sent. Big pig. Uh, big pig. Big pig. Oh, big pig! Yes, it's a very big pig. Oh, I'm gonna pet it. Uh, the it boar. It will murder you if you try. Maybe so. Maybe so. But it's worth it. Uh, <laughs> do you know anything about the aramanthian boar?
1: Uh, Jack and shit.
0: So this is yet another labor of Hercules.
1: Uh huh.
0: Uh, I believe it was something like he had to stop the the boar from running amok. It was something like he had to get some wi- a wine, or like a centaur told him to do something. I think it might have been Chiron was like, "Go put it in deep snow, and and it will stop." And that's oh, that's a I very see. yeah, that's very in line with what we get here. And like, there's a slight possibility that like. One version of the myth says that Heracles was, like, shooting arrows at the boar, and one of them, like, accidentally hit Chiron, and it was, like, super poisoned, and that one, like, Chiron was in so much pain that he was like, I will take Prometheus's place and give up my immortality, and then Heracles was like, well, I'm sympathetic to you because you were, like, taught me things, so he killed the eagle with an arrow.
1: Oh, okay. Wait, so is Prometheus out?
0: uh in i mean in that version of a story i see but that was kind of off topic but i just thought it was kind of interesting
1: i mean it it is kind of interesting in the like between this and kind of between lightning thief and sea of monsters we've got a pattern developing where like lightning thief and sea of monsters were very odyssey inspired right and then this one is going to be looks like it's shaping up to be like a retelling of the labors of hercules so I wonder if that's maybe the pattern we'll get for the rest of these books.
0: I wonder about that because we've already gotten the oh, I I I say a lot, but we've gotten like two labors of Hercules. Now that I look at it, and some of them have come in other books.
1: Uh, does Hercules the one who nicked the uh, apple from the thing?
0: That's the thing. That's one of the things I was gonna say. He uh, okay. stole three apples from the Hesperides, and so that was one of the three labors. Now. Yes, and what what you maybe and this goes back to what we were talking. We were curious about who the hero was that Zoe helped. Mm-hmm. So this is my theory that it was actually Heracles.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense.
0: I would have liked the thing that you were talking about with like Theseus is like the like role model of who not to look up to for Percy. I also like the idea mm. that like we're putting all of these heroes on blast.
1: That is definitely good. I can't believe that we got through that whole episode where we were talking about look, what a shitbag Theseus is.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And we didn't even mention that you could probably just transplant Hades Theseus into this and it would be exactly the same.
0: Honestly, tr- I completely forget he exists. I <laughs> He's he's a funny man, but you know,
1: we've we've come far from our roots as a combination Percy Jackson podcast Hades fan cast. Right, Mostly because right. we both stopped playing Hades.
0: Yeah. Oh. I. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. What's up? I'm. I was just like glance. You remember how I was like, well, another thing that Heracles did was hold up the sky for Atlas. Yeah. I was looking at the um the golden apples story, and I'm worried that this is maybe spoilers for this book. But I also didn't. Listen, kind of just want- it's
1: there's a there's an expiration date on spoiler warnings. You've had several thousand years to look up these ancient Greek myths.
0: Very true. So there's in one version of the tale, Heracles gets to the Garden of the Hesperides, and that's where he finds Atlas holding up the heavens on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And Heracles is like, "I'll hold the sky up for you, and you get the apples for me." I don't, I don't know if that'll be what happened, like, if there's that history here. I'm very curious.
1: I would, I would hope so, because that would kind of tie everything
0: that's come up together. Yeah. Hmm. Assuming that, like, assuming that the general is Atlas, which we can be pretty sure about by this point.
1: It's definitely Atlas.
0: Yeah. Uh, what else? Hmm. There's a, there's a a lot happened.
1: It's kind of, it's a lot of stuff, but it's also a lot of action.
0: There's a lot of action, and it's pretty decent action for the moment. Like, uh, like there's the fun chase scenes. There's the cool Talos fight. uh, There's the Mm. pretty like I don't know. There's the desperate like skeleton cop fight.
1: I'm still not into the skeletons as like recurring antagonists.
0: I, I don't know. I'm torn on them. I think that like the the idea of like you know the regenerating monsters are after you is pretty good.
1: Yeah, the concept of these like horrible, relentless undead killing machines stalking you day and night—that could be really good. But I don't—I feel like they're just being used as normal thugs.
0: I—I hmm, I feel like there's a little bit more tension to it because like they're talking about how like they can smell them on the wind, and like there's all they're like trying to get away as fast as possible. I, I there's kind of it's played up a little bit. I mm-hmm. kind of wish it was used a bit more, but I think it was at its best with like the. Fight in the ski town where they were like about to kill everyone before the boar came in.
1: Yeah, when they are confronted in South Park by the skeletons.
0: Yeah, come on down to South Park, gonna have ourselves a boar. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Christ on a cracker. Um, that's where they learn that Bianca's knife can vaporize skeletons for some reason.
1: It definitely can't.
0: It's interesting. Uh, it sets up like an. It's it sets up like an interesting little like oh I wonder why she can do that you know
1: yeah the the like setup and payoff stuff with the D'Angelo's in general has been really good
0: it has been it has been I think um I, I think I my wish list last episode was like I hope we get more conversations with per, like other people than just like Percy and Thalia and we did get that these chapters
1: yeah we've gotten like among other things a really interesting softening of Zoe's character
0: right because she. She is extremely distraught about Bianca, Bianca's passing. She is
1: fucked up about this.
0: Yeah, like she can't even partake in the damn jokes. Like she's just so, and she's on the. That ri- may just be her age. Well, okay, but it's very, it's you know, she can't even be. I get like... what you mean. Yeah, and she's she's you know she's she's down on herself about it, and while they're on up on the river, but I like it's good that like we're getting more to her because she was kind of a little bit flat before
1: she was literally just the person that Thalia would shout at
0: Uh uh-huh and but now she's like more we understand like who she is where she comes from why she probably joined the hunters what her place is what she wants for the future like how she feels about herself and her role like we we basically have her as a very flesh-out character now Mm mm-hmm and to that extent, I, I really appreciate that uh, conversation with Percy.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, we get like good conversations with all the characters in, in these chapters. There's there's the Bianca stuff, obviously, which, even if I think that there was too little of it, is still good. Uh, I really like Percy's interactions with Grover in these chapters. Yeah. Because uh, we, we were kind of worried that Grover had kind of reached the end of his usefulness as a character in Sea of Monsters.
0: Right, right.
1: But in these, in these chapters, you can really feel like... Their friendship and how terrified Grover is at the prospect that Percy might have gotten himself killed because he's worried that he wouldn't be able to make another friend.
0: Yeah, uh, Grover is a character once more. Thank God. Uh, and like you know, has his pan stuff too.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I think this chapter did a lot for all the characters. We get, we even get some Arthalia stuff, like we we sort of. Get, I called it.
1: I called that she would be afraid of heights.
0: Oh, you did call that. I, I believe and. It's it, it is very funny. It's I I it, it's good. It's very good. Like I think when mm-hmm. Percy talks to Thalia in that first chapter and he's like, "Oh, it must be because your mom died." Like that's <laughs> like obviously she kicks him out for being insensitive, but also there's that feeling that like that's not the full story to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like that that just in retrospect makes it an even stupider thing to say.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like He's just such a ridiculous little boy. (laughs) Uh, Percy, Percy Jackson. Although
1: speaking of, I do like... Because we've kind of... The the two modes that we've seen, Thalia and Percy in, in this book, have been like... They are either at each other's throats and literally trying to kill each other. Or they are like trying desperately to be friendly in a really awkward way. Right. And I like that we get like... After Bianca dies, we get a nice little interaction where Percy just says... Oh yeah, I actually really like Thalia which is when we're not screaming at each other.
0: Yeah, that is really nice. I'm glad that we get that sort of, I guess, confirmation.
1: hmm I feel like, because I hadn't really noticed that that was the theme of these chapters until we started talking about them. Right. But I feel like this is definitely the equivalent of like, mid-lightning thief, all the characters are in the back of the um, illegal zoo truck. And that's, like, that's the set of chapters where we really get everyone being fleshed out and we get them bonding and coming closer together as a group. And I feel like this is this book's version of that. And it does it, I think, just as well.
0: I think it does. Like, we were, I feel like we were kind of worried about, like, the cohesion of this group and, like, its interactions and dynamics.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we were straight we were straight up roosting for Percy to just not interact with them for several chapters.
0: I mean, I thought it'd be interesting to see them flesh themselves out amongst each other, but, like... Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. we kind of were wishing for that, and you know that's I'm glad that we've gotten sort of a counter to that. There's a line I want to talk about in chapter twelve. Okay. It's like when Percy is talking with Bianca, and I really like the him talking with Bianca scene overall. Like it's most of the chapter it feels like, and or like most of the meat of the chapter is them talking, and well uh-huh. un- until the fight happens, of course. But yeah, like, it's
1: it's conversation then pig.
0: Yes. And what's really good is that like these characters haven't interacted much before and suddenly they're like the only two people around and it's that got that exact right awkwardness.
1: It definitely does. As much as, much as I'm ragging on it for the, not having them interact sooner, it is a very good first interaction.
0: Yeah, and like I don't know. I guess it's kind of true to life, I don't know, that you're not always going to interact with every single person you're around. Sometimes, you know, one person just slips off to the wayside.
1: Yeah, it's a good reminder that these are awkward teens.
0: Yeah, if if that. Are they even teens yet? Is Percy 13? Percy's 13 now, right? I think, yeah. Yeah. Because he
1: was 12 in Lightning Thief and it's like two years later now.
0: Wasn't he 11 in Lightning Thief?
1: Hmm. I could get the book down off my shelf again and check, but I don't want to. I can, I can to.
0: also just Google percy jackson age
1: you do realize it's gonna be like 36 died
0: uh, It says that he was 12 in the first book okay
1: Oh, okay so definitely a teenager
0: yes definitely a teenager i was i honestly just thought that because of harry potter probably to be honest
1: oh god i mean
0: you know it's it's i feel like 11 is kind of the the default age now for like a beginning of book series kid
1: well, yeah, I mean, that's when you go into, like, secondary school, I guess.
0: I suppose so. In, like, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, sure. Um, but there's a line that he says where he's like, I mean, I was never very comfortable talking one-on-one with girls anyway. Referring to Bianca. Which is, uh-huh. it's very interesting to me. Like,
1: I don't know if that's true.
0: <laughs> I don't know how true it is either. Like, him and Annabeth obviously had a very rocky start and so maybe he sees Mm -hmm. that as like evidence of like him not being like Annabeth especially you know
1: I mean yeah and the same deal with Thalia but like at the start of this book we see that they seem to be the people that he hangs out with
0: Percy is like, wow. There's something uh, weird about hanging out with girls. I'm always so uncomfortable when they're like, I'm around <laughs> other girls, but also like, I only ever really hang out with other girls. Uh, other girls. Why did I say Save other? Save for girls? the segment. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm. I. I want to. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll. I'll just. You know. I'll. I'll put it in my pocket. Anyway. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's an. It's interesting characterization. It's interesting.
1: I mean, you're absolutely correct. Is the thing.
0: So Bianca and Nico are from the 1930s Oh yeah What was happening in the 1930s I wonder
1: Great Depression
0: That's true uh, There was another thing happening In the 1930s uh, uh, That'd be World uh. War II I believe started at the tail. I mean, end only of the, a little bit. A little of the, like the beginnings of World War Two and like what it means and like via like I what I people. I guess associate. it depends
1: on when you count the start. Yeah. Because I know some people count it as like Japan invading Manchuria as the start of World War II and that was like '33.
0: Right. It's it depends on your definitions. It was
1: a fucked up mess anyway. <laughs>
0: at the very least, the '30s were where stuff. I don't even want to say where stuff started Get getting... You know what I'm saying, though. Like, this is where... Shit stu- started
1: to get extremely fucked.
0: Yes. uh, This is... And so, I, I, to that extent, I'm like... They were there, like... Wait. Wait. You just had the same thought I did, didn't you?
1: I hope not.
0: <laughs> what was your thought?
1: My thought was, um... Are they, like, half-siblings with Hitler?
0: Ah! <laughs> I'm gonna have to bleep that out I'm gonna have to bleep that out oh, that's, what?
1: That's, a le- that's a legitimate concern to have
0: if they're demigods of this time then yeah I suppose you're right um, because the, the, the big three like contract wouldn't have been established yet
1: yeah I mean I assume that's why the Lotus Casino thing was necessary it was to get around so Rick didn't just have to say oh yeah Hades also banged someone
0: Please remember that i beeped that out earlier i mean you were like cut that I mean, out yeah
1: but you also you also spoiled it by saying oh yeah it's a big three contract
0: yeah but i was oh wait wait no. the hitler
1: thing's a spoiler as well oh that's this is a mess the,
0: that's the only reason i said ah
1: <laughs> oh i thought you were just taken aback by just like it was generally com- how horrible it is to think about
0: <laughs> it was a combination it was a combination i mean okay we need to have like a firm decision on like what's perspective we're taking on these books and like how many spoilers we'll take into account and how much of a blind ride we really want this to be.
1: I mean what percentage of our audience is actually reading along with us at this point? I don't think it's many of them.
0: It's probably more of a retrospective for people.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's it's a retrospective where just one of us doesn't remember most of it.
0: Right. So I think in in the case of things where we do remember it it's probably okay to talk about. Okay. Uh, so I guess that's our position, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our blabbering. Thank you for partaking our nectar. Wait, it's a different show. Wait, uh, no, <laughs> wrong show. Okay. Uh, there's an interesting line, an interesting like quirk, where I.
1: Wait, what was your thought?
0: My thought. Uh oh, my mm-hmm. thought was that this is around the time that the big three had their contract.
1: Oh, I see. So it was basically the same thought.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh yes, uh, so there's an interesting little tidbit. I wonder if this was probably not changed in local- in your localization or whatever, but it could have been Ooh, okay, where um they're talking to Bianca, like who is the president like like who's the president right now, and the like it says like she says the name of the current president, <laughs> which uh to some extent is I think supposed to be like this is an out of time, like, you know, this is not supposed to be set in any firm spe- specific age.
1: I think this is just future-proofing it because this book came out just before George Bush's term was up.
0: That was my other thought, because <laughs> yes, exactly, like, it's very funny. Um, Oh, this book came out in 2007, oh my god. Oof. Yeah. Wow, I feel old. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: not as old as bianca
0: not as old as bianca she's 80 something uh
1: ha we're making jokes at the expense of this dead child
0: i think one thing for these chapters uh is that they have a lot of interesting like i feel like we're back to firmly like this might even exceed the lightning thief and in, like interesting american road trip settings
1: yeah that's a good point it's not just some archway in san louis
0: E yeah. god uh yeah i mean there's a lot of fun stuff here like we get a fun ski town that's like completely empty because it's like winter no, wait or is wait it w- shouldn't it be full ah uh,
1: it's really snowy there's enough snow to stop a giant city destroying ball
0: i'm not sure how that. maybe people only like to go the slopes in the summer Hmm. i wonder and then they go to arizona with like a town that is just like also empty but is like instead surrounded by garbage. Uh terrifying. Uh and then they go to the Hoover Dam.
1: The Hoover Dam is does the Hoover Dam actually have two giant bronze angels next to it?
0: Yes it does.
1: That's very strange.
0: They're called the Wings of the Republic.
1: That just sounds like a fighter squadron from the Clone Wars or something.
0: They really do. Oh, they're called the Winged Figures of the Republic. Wait, the what? They're called the Winged Figures of the Republic.
1: I thought you said the Winged Fingers.
0: The Winged Fingers. Uh, no, it's two
1: giant bronze statues of middle fingers at the but... river that they managed to dam.
0: That'd be very good. They but no, it was uh, the Winged Figures of the Republic were designed by. Uh, Oscar J.W. Hansen, a, New- a Norwegian-born sculptor most associated with the Hoover Dam. I can't I can't find anything about them being a monument to Zeus.
1: I think it's incredibly funny that in a series that has a spin-off dedicated to the Norse gods, uh, we've decided that the monument built by a Norwegian dude is dedicated to the Greek gods.
0: Very true. I mean, I guess this is before... I mean, I don't want to say it's before it was even a twinkle in his eye, but this was much before Magnus Chase came <laughs> out.
1: I know, I just I find it funny.
0: I find it funny as well. Listeners, look up the winged figures of the Republic. Uh these are some funny statues. I've just sent Jane a picture.
1: Why are his wings so tall? Uh to And to fly with. <laughs> <laughs> well the pose of the feet is it sure is something.
0: This is uh this isn't only Van's pose for sure.
1: Yeah, I was about to say I'm not saying I expect there to be an OnlyFans watermark on this, but
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. Listeners go to the Hoover da- go to the uh go to Oscar J.W. Hansen's Wikipedia page.
1: I'll, you know, I'll I'll tweet out a picture of this before we put the episode up. Okay.
0: So
1: people know know what to look for. Uh I I really appreciate in the uh Talos fight. yeah. And especially well, that chapter as a whole. The way that we go from like out of nowhere conversation with Aphrodite to being distracted by a bunch of shiny things in the junkyard to exciting robot fight all of which does a really good job of making sure that the reader doesn't think oh wait they're in the land without rain now someone's gonna fucking die until after it happens it's it's really well written
0: it's it feels a, it, it's really good at that it feels a lot like just a junkyard of a chapter like just like all kinds of random stuff is happening and mm-hmm. like i was reading it and i was like this is really weird like why is aphrodite here all of a sudden like what's up what's the pacing here she didn't even really say anything that important other than like you know kind of imp- like being like i helped with your quest They're just like okay i guess
1: yeah, it's not its not quite when Ares shows up in Lightning Thief and is like, hey, I have a side quest for you.
0: No, although Ares does show up here and says, I have a debuff for you, so
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess we'll see how that plays out.
1: I will say, like, at the top of these chapters, there's uh, a section where Percy is like, oh, I'm really worried about the fact that we have to get Artemis back by the winter solstice.
0: Oh, yeah, they only have like three days left or something.
1: Yeah, and I feel like we we've mentioned this before, but it is a sign of the formula getting a little bit repetitive and that we were talking about oh, every book one of Percy's loved ones gets kidnapped. And now we've also got oh, every, every book there is a ticking clock where they've only got a few days to solve the problem.
0: I don't mind the ticking clock as much as the, as much as the kidnapping. I think a tick a ticking clock can be pretty good suspense. It is a trick though that you don't have to use every time.
1: Yeah, there are other ways to build tension, is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I can appreciate it for, like, being something to get you very quickly through different settings and still be able to show off each one of them in, like, your own little way and, like, show off each of the different little set pieces while still Mm -hmm. having a pretty brisk pace.
1: I think I'm just, I'm I'm overly cautious of stuff that feels like it's being repeated from before because of Sea of Monsters.
0: No, I, I totally get you. I totally get you. I, I'm pretty neutral on it. I'm not as neutral. I kind of wish you were... Hopefully, there is no kidnapping next time.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Next book is The Battle of the Labyrinth. I'm, I'm hoping Maybe that... Maybe
1: that'll be a book about Percy getting kidnapped and stuck in a labyrinth.
0: That'd, if it was just the per- a book about Percy like going through the labyrinth, that'd be really good.
1: Yeah, I'd be into that.
0: Yeah. God. Okay, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. There was a lot in these chapters, but... We we highlighted all the major stuff.
1: Yeah, I think I'm basically positive on these. I have some complaints and nitpicks, but they're pretty solid.
0: Yeah, these are I I like these chapters a good deal. This is this Definitely. this is a uh, good for the future. I think of the book. We have two episodes left of this. It, time surely does fly.
1: How is he going to fit nine labors into excuse me into six more chapters?
0: I mean, okay, let's do a count. Okay. We've got the Nemean Lion. That was the first labor. Yep. The second one is the Hydra. We've already done that one. Mm -hmm. The third one is the Serenian Hind, uh, which is, I guess, a really messed up deer.
1: Whoso lists to hunt, I know where is an hind. Huh? If anybody in our audience understood that uh, poetry title, uh, I Feel Your Suffering. I'm sorry you had to study that as well.
0: I, Okay alternatively
1: Um, you might just be someone who's had me complaining about having to study that poem
0: (laughs) no and uh this one featured artemis and apollo oh interesting yeah the the first the fourth one was the boar so that's three out of four the fifth one was the stables we haven't we've arguably already gotten the stables
1: we did kind of get the stables
0: so that's four out of five uh, the sixth one is the Stymphalian birds, which showed up last book. So that's five out of six. Mm-hmm. The seventh one was the Cretan bull, which was the father of the Minotaur. We haven't gotten a Cretan bull, so that's uh, five out of seven.
1: I feel like it's very rude to call this bull a Cretan.
0: <laughs> yes, you're, you're very right. Um, <laughs> the mares of Diomedes, or Diomedes maybe, that we haven't encountered any big horses. so Unfortunate unfortunate so that's five out of eight the belt of hippolyta we haven't encountered any amazons yet so that's five out of nine and
1: we live in hope
0: we live in hope the cattle of garyon which was about some he had to go fight some cows i guess uh number 11 a cow the, i guess so Um, the 11 was the Golden Apples, so we've gotten that one. And 12 was Mm -hmm. Cerberus, so we've gotten that one. So we've got, like, half...
1: I want to see Cerberus again. I want Annabeth to have a reunion with Cerberus.
0: I really want to see the Big puppy. Uh, so we've gotten, like, over half of them.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So you can probably ram, like, one a chapter into this book and we'll be good.
0: Probably. Or maybe it'll get spread out amongst the other uh, other books, perhaps.
1: Yeah, because as much as I'm into the idea of, like... Maybe like one book per Greek myth retelling. I guess we've already had their labors pop up in other books. So that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Should we finish out with our famous segment?
0: Let's do our famous segment. Percy Jackson is not head I'll go first because you already know my answer. Uh, this is another mm-hmm. astounding feature for Percy who is, you know, he's got some special feelings about, you know, girls, and trans bisexual Percy lives in my heart forever.
1: Of course. Uh, my pick for this week is uh, Rachel Elizabeth Dare. Yes. Uh, who is definitely trans because she was uh, hanging around outside the toilets and clearly didn't know which one to use and was having an internal panic about that.
0: She also ha- is wearing like jeans full of holes and like stained with markers. Very trans. Very. This is, this is gay kid behavior. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our podcast today. I've been Jacqueline. Thank you. And this has been Jane. If you want to contact us, you can hit us up on Twitter at unwisegirls. You can also uh, drop us an email at unwisegirlspod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we have our Discord link to our server. Join it. We're awesome. We're in there. It's cool. If you like us, you can support us by downloading our episodes, leaving a nice rating and review, uh, telling your friends would really help, and uh, checking out our Patreon at patreon.com/unwisegirls. For a dollar a month, you get a special role in our Discord, marking you as a, a camp counselor. For three dollars a month, you get an even specialer role as a friend of Dionysus and access to all of our bonus content. If you're feeling especially generous, for $5, you get the special stroll of Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and uh, a thanks at the end of every episode. I believe on this latest bonus episode we did, uh, what did we talk about?
1: Uh, we talked about, uh, being old and not wanting to learn new Yu-Gi-Oh rules. Uh, I learned that, uh, dart frogs, uh, don't actually shoot darts. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, And we talked some more about Homestuck.
0: Yes. Uh, And thank you to all our patrons.
1: This week, we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica, this bitch forgot her too. Time to roast her ass, Faye.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much, everyone. We're sorry. (laughs) We're sorry. Uh, (laughs) Oh, gosh. And as we always say at the end of every single episode.
1: See you next week Camp Half-Blood.
0: See you next week Camp Half-Blood. Bye bye. <laughs>